if you have people in the chapter who aren't living these values, it's so easy for that to affect the next man and think like, oh, well, you know, they're not living these, these values. Like, is this really what Teak is actually about? You're listening to the Teak Nation podcast with Donnie Aldrich, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Teak Nation podcast. This is your first time and new host, Jason Lamb. I'm stepping in for Donnie Aldrich. And today we have two special reoccurring guests, Chris Catazone and John Broadway. Today's episode is about values, both peak values and values in general, and how your values impact your lives as leaders and young professionals. For, so for those who don't know us already, why don't we go ahead and introduce ourselves? We guys want to start by saying your name, your peak chapter, maybe something you did from the good old days, uh, what you're doing now, and then what you're doing next, what's your next big thing. So John, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Thank you, yeah. So as you said, John Broadway from the Delta Beta chapter at Long Beach State. Um, living over here in uh, sunny Southern California. Uh, I'm actually pursuing a career in screenwriting. Currently working at a couple of different nonprofits uh, that work, one that works in like storytelling, it's called Road Trip Nation, and another one that uh, works in like building economic base for uh, underserved communities here in LA. Um, and so, yeah, my next big thing is, uh, you know, always continuing to strive for personal development and using that to uh, break into the film industry with the, with, with the, with the script. So, so I'm looking forward to. Awesome, how's everyone doing? Uh, my name is Chris Catazone. I'm a graduate of the Xiomega chapter of Teak at Virginia Tech. Uh, currently living and working up in New York City doing uh, valuation work uh, for a finance firm called Grant Thornton. Uh, but it's exciting to be uh, back on the show and talking with two of my good friends uh, and fellow Leadership Academy graduates. Uh, shout out to the class of 29. Um, but yeah, very, very excited to be uh, talking about values and, you know, that whole value system, something I, I think is very important um, to our success in lives. So I, I'm excited to see where, uh, you know, things go. Moving forward, I'm just, uh, you know, happy to be here and, you know, talking about things I care about. So. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And my name is Jason Lamb. Uh, my chapter was Upsilon Sigma. I was the president for that chapter. Currently, I am a student pharmacist at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences continuing in my third year. And in the future, what I'm hoping to do next, hopefully own some pharmacies and uh, grow with these guys. So you're probably wondering why we're all here today. As Chris mentioned, we're all tied to the Leadership Academy, but more importantly, we're all in a mastermind. And the story begin for that is, it wasn't on a code Tuesday night, but it started on January 6th of 2018. And that was when my life changed forever. In 2017, I wanted to create a New Year's resolution, and I knew that those don't really go past January 3rd. I wanted to live my life uh, every day with purpose, uh, with the intent to better myself, but I really didn't know how. And I guess I just so happened to stumble across two really important things that changed my life. Um, one of them is the BuzzFeed. Uh, we try CEO morning routines and night routines. And then the second one is Ed Milet's podcast, Max Out Goals Setting Strategies. And those two really combined made me do the unthinkable. I created a challenge for myself and I knew that I needed somebody to hold me accountable. So I invited all my uh, pledge brothers at the time and it really just 
start from there. The challenge soon adopts its name to the CEO challenge, where we have a set of routines in the morning and night that we try and follow. And on top of that, with goals that we set for ourselves to improve ourselves. Uh, some of these goals were hard, and some of them were called impossibly possible goals, but you know, you shoot for stars and you land somewhere in the clouds. Um, so the challenge really adopts itself into first a mindset and then into a lifestyle. And from there, I think as a group, we really took it into it becoming a mastermind. Um, really proud of, proud of where it's at. Uh, I don't think I'm satisfied yet, but we're not done and we're just getting started. So that's my story. And I'm interested on what's y'all's personal development journey uh, until up until this point and what it looks like. Yeah, so mine actually uh, somewhat coincided with yours, uh, Jason, I guess. Well, the first thing that kicked it off for me was um, seeking to become a leader in Teak. And, you know, I wasn't the best pledge. Uh, I just wasn't the best pledge, we'll say that, right? Um, and so I knew I had to work really hard to uh, get to a point where I could become a leader of Teak. Um, and so that's where like my, my personal development journey really started, right? Um, was through Teak. And the part of that journey too was seeking people, seeking to surround myself with people who are like-minded, right? Share the same values, the same goals, same mindset. Um, and so it was just around that just around the time where I started to really take that serious uh, or take that more serious in my postgraduate career is around the time when you actually had reached out to me about the group um, and I when I got involved in 2018. So I feel like our <clears throat> personal development journeys really, uh, like I said, coincided together during our postgraduate career. And it's awesome to see how it's continuing to develop uh, through our mastermind group. That's awesome. Uh, for me, I, I'd say it started when I was like very young. I've always been an athlete. You know, I always had a competitive nature to myself. And, you know, when I got to college, I, I didn't continue playing sports. And, you know, I needed to find something to immerse myself in, to challenge myself in, and to become better at. Um, you know, so freshman year of school, I get involved with the fraternity, immediately try to get involved in different leadership opportunities. Um, you know, I served as Chryso, I served as Graham, I served as co-philanthropy chair. Uh, you know, those are all great experiences. And as I noted earlier, you know, I, I had the opportunity to go to the Leadership Academy with both John and Jason. Um, but it wasn't really until, like, like John, my postgrad, that I got involved in this whole mastermind, uh, you know, group and mindset. Um, it was my first RLC, actually, after graduating in 2017, man, I'm kind of feeling old, um, <laughs> that, that Jason attended in uh, New York, New Jersey. And, you know, I was there uh, working at one of the booths and Jason and I, you know, we hadn't probably caught up in what, one or two years since mm -hmm. our academy days. And, you know, we got to talking about the different things, the books that we read, the people we listen to, like Tim Ferriss, the, you know, Grant Cardone's of the world. And we realized, you know, we had this mutual connection of get better. How can we, you know, do more mindset? And Jason told me about this, uh, the CEO challenge, as he coined it. Uh, and invited me to the group, and you know I haven't looked back. It's been really an incredible, uh, incredible journey that that we've taken thus far. Yeah. So with this incredible journey, what would you guys say has been either your favorite experience or your greatest takeaway since you've joined the uh, the mastermind? 
Best experience, best takeaway. Mm, that's, that's a little tough. I know I'm going to come up with a better answer after I'm done, but um, <laughs> I think the one that sticks out to me the most is just uh, a few months ago when we had a meeting in which, you know, you're, you, you're always the, the moderator, Jason, the, the, the kind of guy, and then you, you took a seat out this week for, or that week for, for whatever reason. Um, and then it was just us three. It was just three other guys that got on. And I remember during that time, I, I was feeling really down on myself. I just wasn't in the best place, like, financially and just, like, mentally. And, you know, because we, in this group, we really set this tone of just allowing ourselves to be fully authentic and vulnerable. Um, you know, I was able to share my struggles. And through that, I got so much positive feedback and affirmation. And I feel like since then, I've really been on a really good positive trajectory actually I just realized that <laughs> um and so I think that that's always one that sticks out to me the most um as far as like a positive experience I've gotten from here and yeah uh, John I share that, just... that quote that you shared earlier it was yeah, yeah I was gonna say uh whoever listened to the last podcast I was on knows I'm a big quote guy and you know John hit the nail on the head uh you know with the whole vulnerability thing and, you know, quote I love is to share your weakness is to make yourself vulnerable, but to make yourself vulnerable is to show your strength. And I think that's like core of what we do in our mastermind group. It's like, you know, we get on this and we talk about things that matter to us and whether we're accomplishing them or whether we're not. And sometimes, like John said, you know, we put ourselves in a vulnerable state. We go through difficult things, but we've got each other to rely on and to hold us accountable, which ultimately makes us stronger and you know realigns us with what we're trying to accomplish and helping us you know ultimately achieve our goals so yeah definitely um you know you're talking about holding each other accountable i think one of my favorite aspect of being in the group is being able to be slightly jealous of each other i maybe jealous is not the right word but you know seeing john writing all these articles seeing chris doing these 440 at 440 days it's inspiring and keep you know keep the fire going for me and so i that's my favorite uh takeaway from that and i think with the group we're able to build on our values build as a person and i think right now would be a great transition to going back to our good old days for teak values so what do you guys remember about first hearing the words love sharing esteem what does that mean to you yeah uh <laughs> Good question. And uh, remembering, I guess, is key, because I feel like that's exactly what I had to do, uh, you know, that fall semester freshman year. Um, <clears throat> I remember going through the new member process and, you know, hearing love, charity and esteem and the declaration of principles. And it was more something I just said because I felt like I needed to. And it's just because what we did, you know, I associated everything with just teak, 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 right? You know, love your brother, um, you know, hold your brother in high esteem and do charitable work with your brothers. I never really thought more into it until, I guess as I, I you know, progressed through my colleg collegiate career and now even in my uh, professional career. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys share the same sentiment with me there, but. hundred percent, when you were just talking, it made me think about, cause you talked about kind of your, your growth of how you viewed these values. Um, and I, I share that as well, too, because I think from there, for me, it moved to a point of, okay, I really, I really value this, actually. I really take this to heart, right? I'm going to try to embody this. 
Um, and then that next iteration, sad to say, is like, okay, how, how true really is this to our chapter, right? And you try to look, for me, I was like, okay, I'm looking at other people to see how much this is reflected, right? To see how much stock there really is in this. Um, and so analyzing that, that process myself, it, it kind of just reinforces that importance of um, surrounding yourself with like-minded people, right? Because if you have people in the chapter who aren't living these values, it's so easy for that to affect the next man who uh, may not be as, you know, uh, independent minded and think like, oh, well, you know, they're not living these, these values. Like, is this really what Teague is actually about or is it just fluff, right? Um, so I think that's like a, a valuable thing. Like that's been a valuable like iteration of how I view these values is one, just, oh, they're just words. Two, like, oh, actually seeking to embody them. And then the third part is like only think only trying to embody them if other people were. And then the fourth part is, you know, like, no, just find other people who embody them and, you know, use that as like an iron sharpen iron type of thing. So that we're both holding each other accountable to these values. Um, but another great example of that is just uh, when I was on the podcast with uh, Frater Moy, he shared an example or a story of this uh, dude who was uh, disparaging Teak very harshly online. And, the way he engaged with this person that he didn't know at all was just like him just saying, look, I know you're not part of your brother, but I'm going to attribute the teak values to you because this is just who I am. And he handled with such grace and seeing that just is always going to be in my head from henceforth as a reminder of like, okay, this is, that's what embodying these values looks like. Right. Um, right. And I think that's a great thing about values, not just love charity and esteem, but, whatever values you hold true is that they're malleable. You know, as you noted, I noted, you know, it, they aren't, or they weren't what we thought they were when we first heard them love, charity, and esteem. You know, they've developed as we've progressed and had different life experiences. So that's pretty cool to, uh, to hear. Yeah. I just want to add on to that. You know, uh, John, you're saying whether they're just words or not, it didn't mean at the time, it didn't really mean as much as it meant today right um the the words were just just words i didn't really take it into account what it meant and you know chris you're saying it's more than just the values or more than just you know those three words i definitely agree it, i think those words were the foundation of who i am today without even me knowing it, it was subconsciously building me what if you had to say one i guess one of those three love charity seem that that you embody the most now or I guess that you you reflect on the most. What, uh, I don't know, either of you, what do you think it would be? I know for sure for me it would be esteem, just because as a young professional in the pharmacy world, that's just something, you know, being being able to be respectful and have respect is something that's uh, highly, you know, thought on. Um, it's, it's who you are in the pharmacy world. Pharmacy is a small world, and so, you know, your, whatever you say will carry will follow you wherever you go so definitely for me it's going to be esteem right no dude i'm right there with you man esteem that is respectful to the honest convictions of others and refrains from treading upon that which is sacred to spirit and conscious like to me that's uh that's the golden rule right there you know treat others the way you want to be treated you know forgive understand don't be quick to judge you know for me every day i'm on the phone with dozens of different people i'm interacting with a number of different people on the subway to work in the city. I'm interacting with different people and people make mistakes and do things, but you know, 
the way I look at it is like, let somebody give you a reason not to, I guess, trust them or enjoy their presence, you know, try to find the best in everybody first before you judge, you know, their actions and, and potential faults. Um, I know, John, are you sharing the same, uh, same thoughts as us, uh, with esteem or? or <laughs> yeah, most you, definitely. I, uh, it's funny cause I recently just realized that like esteem was at the heart of why I'm so intent on engaging in civil discourse. Um, and it wasn't even a conscious thing. It was just when I analyzed why I value it so much, I realized esteem was at the heart of it. But uh, going back to your question though, about which one do you, I guess, like identify with the most out of the three? And I think for me, it's it's love because it, love is at the heart of, of them all. Um, it's really the root and the foundation. I think I heard a quote or maybe someone just randomly saying this on social media about like, if you're always guided by love, then you won't be led astray. Something, okay. something like that. Um, and so I think that's, you know, if, if love's at the heart of everything that we do or at the foundation of everything we do, then generally speaking, we're in a good place, right? <laughs> yeah, um, that makes me think like the old, uh, if you can't love yourself, how can you ever love anyone else? Like, I guess mm. going back to what you said, it's like at the core, like, I guess you need to love yourself, know yourself before you can really dive into, I guess, esteem and, and charity yeah um, and any other value for that matter you know it, it stems definitely stems from that so yeah. you guys are talking about you know loving yourself how does somebody who's currently not you know loving themselves right now how can they what steps can they take so that they can reach that point so that their values can be built on the love for themselves oof good question my friend <laughs> that is a good question that is the first step to loving yourself by uh, you can't love someone else until you love yourself. So it's mm -hmm. very important. Um, but I think just being able to like forgive yourself and recognize that you're human, um, you know, having, you know, embodying, uh, attributing that value of grace and mercy, not just others, but yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's uh, foundational to, to self-love and then being able to, uh, take that to the next person. I definitely agree with forgiving yourself because one, sometimes people are just hard on themselves and it's so unnecessary. Uh, I'm not saying like you shouldn't be hard on yourself because that's how you're going to be able to grow. But I think one of the biggest things is accepting who you are um, and then go from there. So yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Surround yourself with people that love you. You know, I feel like sometimes it's somebody else's confidence in you that's kind of like the snowball effect to, to get you going and to, I guess, get out of that rut. Um, so. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, when you surround yourself, sometimes you don't see the potential you have, but they do. Right. right. And they can push you to that next level. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys. Here. You guys got my mind uh, kind of rolling. Um, uh -huh. Wondering if you guys kind of have, you know, a certain story uh, to share or a certain example to share of, you know, when these these key values or certain value really just uh, played a huge impact in in your life and made a difference. Story that these key values really play a difference. Um, I will say for sure, uh, one of the biggest things for me. So my chapter was. Uh, 
shut down because of recruitment. And, you know, being the president before it was shut down, it was kind of disheartening because now I don't have a home chapter to go to. Everybody wanted to take me in. <laughs> um, but it was hard for me to not put all the blame on the current president because I, I was a former recruitment chair and I knew how to recruit and I was, I was teaching these guys and they weren't able to deliver. And it, it made me frustrated and made me um, not want to refrain from trying upon, uh, you know, putting the blame on them. And so just being able to accept they tried their best and, you know, life moves on. I think that is the, uh, for me, is one of the biggest things that I was able to take in. Yeah, and for me, it's it's the fact that the values that we as Teeks embody are not just limited to love, charity, and esteem, right? So I think of, you know, there's unwritten values and rules even of, of being a brother. And, you know, a big one that sticks out to me is accountability. You know, I highly doubt I would be where I am today, um, you know, professionally and personally, had it not been for my brothers who hold me accountable. Um you know, you guys, especially, you know, in our mastermind group, uh, Jason alluded to it earlier. I've been doing a 4.40 a.m. wake up for 40 days in a row. And when I put it in our group chat, when I was pondering the idea, Jason was like, do it. No questions asked, no other filler, just like, just do it. And if you don't do it, make a donation to a charity, of course, St. Jude. Um, but, you know, that sense of accountability, it's stemming from something that was established in my undergrad, uh, you know, joining a brotherhood that is so valuable in so many different facets of life outside of just love, charity, and esteem. You know, I think the list is, is endless in what we can all find, um, you know, from, from being a part of this brotherhood. So, you know, we're talking about brotherhood. For a listener right now who is in the fraternity but doesn't have that sense of connection with their brothers right now, what can they, what can they do so that they can get that a sense of brotherhood, that sense of accountability? Um, because, you know, there, there are sometimes those that not necessarily ostracize themselves, but don't feel that connection that we, like us have, right? So what can they do to get that connection? One thing that actually really helped for me was to appreciate the commonalities that I have in the brothers and to build connections based off that. Um, Previously, prior to, to joining Teague, I didn't have that much many like engineer friends, um, but there was a lot of engineers in Teague and the people that I, I previously didn't really, like I said, surround myself with, but I got along with them so well, right? And I think it was only through Teague and, uh, and me being able to share this common goal, this common interest, this common thing with them, that I was able to make connections with people who I normally wouldn't have. And it wasn't just like engineers per se, but that was just like one example. Um, and so, you know, going, going to your question, I think it would uh, behoove that person, right, who is looking to make strong connections with their brothers is to, you know, find ways to appreciate the, the common, common goals that they might share and to, to, to build a connection based off that. Um, and, and like one of the ways that I did that was through um, being very involved as a leader. And, you know, these other leaders, 
um, and Teek, who I may not have had that much things in common with outside of Teek, but who I valued and appreciate so much because of what they brought to Teek, right? And really um, building them up in, in, in that respect and appreciating that helped me feel uh, a lot closer to my chapter than I would have if I didn't, if I wasn't intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know why you're talking. One of our previous thoughts came back to me of just vulnerability, right? If you don't feel like you're necessarily having that connection with, with others, be vulnerable. Uh, you know, I think back to my undergraduate days and when I was running for uh, different e-board positions, you know, people didn't know how much I cared about, uh, you know, our, our chapter until I got up in front of the room and was giving my speech to become Epi, which I then lost and, you know, trickled down to running for Graham. But the fact that I was up there and showed how much I care, I think is what gave people a newfound, um, I guess, view of, of who I am, what I stand for, what matters to me um, and whatnot. So, so again, I just, we're hitting on the same point, be vulnerable. You know, with vulnerability comes strength. Um, and it, you know, it worked out very well for me. Um, and I think the same would be true for, you know, anybody else that might not be finding, you know, that, that group um, uh, or a core group for lack of a better phrase. And, you know, if people are to judge for your vulnerability, then those, you, you, you know, those are people you don't want to associate with. So you're, you know, you're helping yourself by doing that. Um, because the people who do care will reach out, will connect with you and, you know, I think that ultimately will, you know, will help. Yeah, Chris, you definitely brought up a good point. You know, you said people don't know how much you actually care unless you're being vulnerable. I have a professor and she said, people don't know unless you tell them. Exactly, right? yeah. So if, if you want to be a, you know, if you want a resident position or if you want a leadership position, tell people. So when people are aware, then they can either support you or don't support you. And then you can run with those who support you. So yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying, being vulnerable. Exactly. I love that. So yeah, like all this talk that we've been having about, you know, values and goals and our mastermind group and everything is really making me think about our commitment to Teak and what we expect of ourselves. And even most recently, our expectation of excellence. And, you know, both of you, I know we share very similar mindsets, but I think it would be enlightening for everybody else to hear your thoughts on the expectation of excellence and how does that transcend into other facets of your life? You know, it's definitely near and dear to Teak, but, you know, that that expectation of excellence I see, you know, emulating in all different aspects of of my professional career now, so. Yeah, I think um, it's ties in perfectly with our mastermind group, right? Because what are we all there for, right? Right. To, to be excellent, right? And again, going back to your uh, note about the importance of accountability, that also is what the mastermind groups helps us reach that excellence, right? Through through being accountable, right? To our, to our brothers to um, meet this level of excellence, right? To always strive to improve and to allow ourselves to be vulnerable so that we can um, benefit from the strength that we actually get from that, right? So. Um, you know, I've been really glad that, uh, that's one of the things that I value about the mastermind group so much is that it reinforces this expectation of excellence, right? Right. I definitely agree with, um, excellence being where you're trying to better yourself. Um, because 
I don't think people realize, I think trying to better yourself is an action, a conscious action that you have to take. And I feel people don't uh, pursue that excellence until there's a tilting point, something that triggers it, right? Um, and so, yeah, with coming being with excellence is definitely bettering yourself. And I guess I do want to circle back, you know, what, as the teak model of building better men for a better world, obviously the word better is in there. What is, what are y'all thoughts on our model and how, how has that played into who you are today? Yeah, it, it all, it all mushes together. I feel like at the end of the day, there are underlying <laughs> themes here, uh, whether we realize it or not. Uh, but it, it's, it's, to me, it's like, it's constantly striving for something that you believe in. You know, when you believe in what you're doing, it, it warrants a, a persistent commitment to being better, to having higher expectations of yourself. And, you know, everything we stand for as, as teaks, you know, building men for a better world and having an expectation of excellence, it, it drives all of those points home. Um, and it's not just in an undergraduate setting of, you know, recruiting more people and raising a lot of money for St. Jude. It's, it's the real world. You know, I like to think of the things that we do and did as undergraduates manifest themselves into every facet of your professional career. You know, for me, the, you know, building myself as a better man, building others uh, as better people and expecting more is like, I see that in my day to day. You know, we have this mastermind group. We talk about these books that we read, these videos that we watch of these people that are so wildly successful. And I parallel it to working out, right? You work out to feel a certain way, to look a certain way. We continually have these expectations for ourselves and those we surround ourselves with. And we read these books on personal development and we have these, these difficult conversations because it keeps us in a certain mindset and frame to be better to have higher expectations, to get to the next level. You know, uh, for me, something I, I have, I've written on my uh, you know, desk at work is there is always another level. There is always more that can be done. You know, there's no finish lines in life. And I think we embody that as an organization and then in life. Um, and I, I love it. I think it's absolutely awesome. And it's, it's so great to see that we push that stuff. You know, I love listening to our CEO talk because he is so adamant about being better and doing more and unlocking potential. Um, so it's, it's great. It really is great. And you know, that's why I still volunteer because it's three years out of school. It, I still find it in my day to day life. Yeah. Cause you're definitely <laughs> preaching it. Um, so you, you, <laughs> you, you mentioned it might, be, it might be the espresso I had before this call that's got me super <laughs> amped up right now, but, uh, no, I you love mentioned, it. <laughs> you mentioned persistent commitment. How does somebody who's listening right now who don't feel like they are being persistent in their commitment, trying to bury themselves, uh, John or Chris, how do you guys think, what steps can they take so that they can be more committed into their pursuit of excellence? So I, I think... Um, so I'm gonna kind of answer like uh, your previous question and then and then translate it into sure. the one you have now. Um, because you know when you're talking about uh, how does Teak build better men for a better world, you know it honestly truly does come down to uh, values and but more importantly than just like these values on paper, actually embodying them, right? Actually living them out. That is truly how we become better men for a better world because without living them out then we're, we're not we're not 
bettering ourselves, right? Um, and so when you truly embody values, it's, it no longer becomes a conscious uh, thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to give, I'm going to apply love to this person. I'm going to apply charity here. I'm going to apply esteem here. You know, you just, they're just who you are and you don't even realize that what you're doing or you don't even realize that's the value that you were exhibiting until you think about it afterwards, right? Right. And so that's how people can, going to the next question, uh, Jason, that's how, you know, listeners can find a way to stay uh, committed, right? Is to understand the importance that values like, um, love, chain, esteem, right? Actually bring when, when fully embodied uh, values like accountability, right? Values like um, um, de determination, persistence, right? F finding out what's the true embodiment of them, right? And incorporating that into your daily life. Um, and one of the ways in which you can do that is by connecting with others who are doing that, right? Um, so that, you know, iron sharpens iron. Right, and we're yes, allowing sir. ourselves to continually be improved, um, not just through our own efforts and our own internal dialogue, but the ones that we're having with others who are seeking to grow with us. Yeah, so you, you definitely talk about you know incorporating it in your daily life. So, I'm assuming when you talk about incorporating, you're talking about also like goals, right? Daily goals, lifetime goals. If somebody's listening and they don't know how to do that, where would they begin? Oh, can I jump in? Go for it. <laughs> I, uh, for me, I, I parallel values as almost like synonymous as your work. You know, what you say and what you tell people and what you do are very important. You say something, you do the opposite. Okay, I'm not going to trust you anymore. If you have core values, love, charity, and esteem, whatever it might be, honesty, integrity, and then you don't uphold those, again, you're devaluing who you are as an individual. So what I would encourage anyone and everyone to do is tell people, you know, tell people to hold yourself accountable. I'll never forget the first marathon I ran. I had, I haven't even run a 5k in my life and I signed up for this marathon. Right. And I'm like, okay, how the heck am I going to do this? I just, you know, man, I was on the same boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jason joined me on this crazy endeavor. Right. And, and, and how did we do it? We told people we were going to do it. I posted on social media relentlessly. Every single time I finished a workout, I would post a picture of me dripping in sweat. Every single time I, you know, raised more money for the charity I was, I was running for, I would post it, you know? And when I didn't, what, people, people reached out to me, you know, this is all on Instagram. And I didn't even know people were following my journey. I just kind of threw stuff up there just to, you know, get it out there. And people took an invested interest and that held me accountable. You know, I had Jason say, Hey, do you hit your 15 mile run this weekend? You know, like, and he had the same for me. And by telling people who you are, what you're going to do, I think that that's what drives you to be successful. That that's pressure, you know, no pressure, no diamonds in my mind. And, you know, again, vulnerability by putting yourself out there is how you become successful in my, my opinion. Dude, that's so fast. I'll, I'll jump in real quick to say that, you know, for my, uh, you know, pursuing in, in film industry. And my first gig in the film industry production assistant was because I put myself out there on Facebook and said, hey, um, you know, I just, I had just come off like failing with the company. And I was like, you know, honestly, 
I'm just going to go for my dreams in the film industry. And if it wasn't for me just being honest about me pivoting right after this failure and seeking something else, my friend would have never knew what I was doing, what I was about and offered that position, which led to me to get my first gig, which obviously there's more. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I think just, just to kind of wrap up what we were saying, man, it's, it's all about, you know, um, as far as like being able to keep that commitment up, right. It was utilizing your brothers, you know, like-minded people who share these values with you and are going to keep you going on that path. Cause I know we've seen that in our mastermind group, right. One of us might like fall out for a little bit and, you know, one of us reaches out and boom, we're right back on. There there was a time, there was a time where I was, I was really slacking and I remember you called me, you were like, dude, what the F, like, what the heck's going on? Like, why aren't you, why aren't you involved, man? Like you used to be doing this every single month, you know, contributing every day. And I'll tell you, since that moment, I've definitely increased my, um, you know, commitment to the group and to myself. And I, I think I've gotten a lot more out of it. And it's because of just one call, you know, that you did. Um, so it's all, all incredible points, all good points. So you guys talk about being vulnerable. Um, and I think that's a scary thing to start or for someone to start, you know, being able to be vulnerable with somebody. I think even in our own group, when we first started, we weren't really as open as we are now. You know, if, if right now if somebody has a problem, they just put it in the group me and then we all jump onto it like, you know, shark in the water. But how would somebody like when, when you're first being vulnerable, it's a scary thing. How can someone over what are some steps someone can overcome? that fear, that trepidation. Real quick, I'm just, uh, hopefully you can hop in after this, Chris. I'm just gonna say, it really goes back to that quote that you shared earlier, um, about, and like really understanding that, right? Uh, can you say it one more time? I think you can obviously say it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to share your weakness is to make yourself vulnerable, but to make yourself vulnerable is to show your strength. Right, I think really understanding that um, and the value that um, that is inherent in that is the first step that people can take in being able to um, allow themselves to be vulnerable. Um, and then as well as too, it goes back to surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Because if you know you're with people who share the same values with, with you, then I think it allows yourself to be more at ease in being vulnerable. Because you're like, okay, they're going to provide some value to me if I share this, right? Because I know how they operate. I know how they think. I know what they think is important. Right. Shameless plug being that this is the Teak Podcast and I feel like, you know, we wouldn't even be having this conversation had it not been that we were all Leadership Academy graduates together. I'd love to, I guess, just try to bring things a little more full circle in the sense of like, how has being a brother of this organization, you know, really, helped and transpired into where you guys are today um small example yeah. or anything i mean definitely I there are so many parallels definitely um so before joining teak you know i i was a freshman didn't really care about school life just partying on sundays having class at eight o'clock the next morning you know stuff like that vicious, and vicious cycle vicious cycle <laughs> <laughs> and joining teak i think the biggest difference and for listeners, I highly recommend is going to those national conferences, going to those regional conferences. Those are yep. things that was a threshold for me that made me into a different person. Uh, I mean, my teach chapter was good and all, 
Uh, but being able to see like-minded people throughout the nation is a completely different uh, feel, atmosphere, especially like in the Leadership Academy. Like, right. I mean, three of us are all from the Leadership Academy and hopefully we'll be taking on some more into the group, but just, it built me who, it, I am who I am today because of Talk at the Epsilon, the values that I learned from it, uh, the skills I learned, interview skills I learned from it from a regional leadership conference. So all in all, I mean, first of all, this group wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Talk <laughs> at the Epsilon, <laughs> right? Um, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have wanted more. And we wouldn't have known each other. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have known each other. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it built me who I am today. Yeah, I definitely echo all those same uh, same thoughts. So. Yeah, and it's I honestly can't. I probably couldn't even fully express how it has impacted me. I think I alluded to it earlier. You know, when I talked about how Teak was the impetus for me to begin to you know employ a intentionality with with personal development right i was a little bit aimless before teak and teak gave me made me very much more specifically driven toward towards certain ah, certain goals right right there's a lot there's a lot of that interpersonal value intrapersonal i guess maybe i should say yeah. <laughs> value that's brought into me and then and then and then you talk about like the interpersonal value and uh you know, just the value that I've gotten from learning from my, from my brothers and from uh, from other teaks. There's one thing that a teak said to me, and this was someone that uh, an alumni of our chapter, alumni of a different chapter, actually, who I just randomly knew, knew that I wanted to get into film and connect me with this individual who was from his chapter. And he was just sharing me all this insider knowledge or like wisdom he had about and like, advice on how to get into film. And one thing he said that stuck with me so much really helps me get one of uh, my, my first jobs in the film industry, uh, which was a uh, script reader, reading scripts, which is like perfect for someone who wants to become a writer. Um, right. He told me, he's like, in the, in the entertainment industry, you gotta fake it till you make it. And I, never, <laughs> I, never, I didn't even understand the value that that had until I really like employed it in yeah. my attempt to get this job, which I ended up getting. And the value of it's been just immense. So there's certain things that I can think about and point to, like how it's been super valuable. But I think it honestly goes even bigger than that because it's just been something that's so integral to my to my life. Uh, right. And it's so much. Absolutely. And, and John, you're um, talking about how you met the alumni from another chapter. Um, has that networking? Did you learn networking skills from being in T or was that just something that you already had in you and developed? Yeah, I mean, networking, I think that's something that always been a subconscious inclination of mine, but, and, and Teak just allowed me to have a very valuable outlet for that, right? Um, because it was very, it was something that was um, very enticing to me when I, choosing to rush a fraternity, um, the, the networking opportunities that it would provide. So for others, I think it can be a great way to instill in them that the value of networking or like the intentionality of networking. 
Um, or for people like myself who already had it, it can just be that valuable outlet for it or both to some people, right? Mm. And so how, how has networking um, play a part in your professional career? I know John, you mentioned, but Chris, has that played in your professional career in the finance world? Uh, funny, I, I feel like after you graduate and, you know, obviously fraternity for life, but it, it, I'm trying to think of how I want to articulate this. It, it doesn't necessarily become peak versus Sigma Chi versus Sigma Nu. It becomes, oh, you were involved in Greek life. And then you boil that down to, as a member of Greek life, I understand there are certain things that you value because you were in Greek life. There's certain aspects, traits, characteristics about you that I can already do, deduce just because you're involved in Greek life. You're a social person. You know, you're a hardworking person. You know how to balance, you know, work and play, right? And, you know, even my, my first job out of school, my, I remember vividly one of my interviews, we ended up talking about our fraternity experience. You know, it was another Virginia Tech alumni that was interviewing me, but he wasn't antique. He was in whatever fraternity it was, but he understood, you know, what we did. And, you know, I, I think that that was probably what ultimately helped me get my job, you know, having that mutual connection and, you know, understanding of, of each other. And I think it's something, it, something that we should acknowledge is like, no, none of us are perfect, right? We talk about these values and I think that they are viewed in this, you know, this, this light of perfection, right? But as social beings, we also value, you know, the social aspect of being in a fraternity, just as much as we value personal development. And I think, you know, what Teek has helped me find that now transcends into my personal life is the value of balance, of being able to balance that social aspect of being, you know, a professional, going out, you know, for casual drinks after after work and also valuing hard work to get stuff done um you know and i learned that in my undergrad when i was serving as treasurer and co-philanthropy chair and taking seven classes a semester you know it it's hard work and balance and and you know i don't think i would have had that had it not been for my involvement uh you know in antique um so yeah um so you're talking about how outside of post-grad it's all it's not a fraternity against fraternity, it's really, we're a collective Greek value, and you're right. talking about how, exactly. how, yeah. and how, um, you know, getting a job interview and being able to talk about Greek values, I'll definitely, when you're saying that, it reminded me of getting my job as a resident assistant, uh, my boss at the time, he was in Greek, and that's one of the first things we talked about, he saw it on my resume, and he was like, oh, you're in, you're in a fraternity, and then, because he had, his best friends were in talk of Epsilon also, and so we instantly connected there we go. and I definitely was resonating with you on that. And even in post-grad um, in pharmacy school, you know, being a part of fraternity, I always try to recruit people, try to tell people, Hey, you really need to go and be a part of organizations, be a part of fraternity because that's where you're going to meet people. It's not what you know, but who you know, right? right and so right. being able to stick your hand out and introduce yourself, I think is one of the it's an easier, it's easier to do if you already have something in connection. And so I guess I'm interested because you guys are really um, outgoing social people for somebody who's not, uh, you know, who, who's not good at networking is completely terrified of going to conferences. Cause I have friends like that. I have friends like that, uh, classmates like that. And they're like, 
Jason, how do you do that? So my question to you guys is, what are some tips in terms of networking that you can provide to somebody who's listening right now that's completely afraid of going out and talking to somebody? It's uh, a good question. It is a great question, and I would love to answer that. Uh, one thing that I always told my guys um, when, when I was president of our chapter was to understand that when it comes to the Greek uh, system, we're all different branches on the same tree, right? So don't allow these different fraternities to keep us from connecting with others, right? Because we all come from that same root, right? In terms of like my tree metaphor. And so I, I, I parlay that into uh, networking, right? I think one of the best ways to and this, uh, operate within networking is to operate off of commonalities, right? So for example, you guys are in the same place at the same time, probably for a similar reason, right? So, you know, talk about what brings you here, right? What interests you in, in being here? Um, what interests do you have, right? And then once you find things that you share, uh, pull on that thread, right? See, see, see what lies beneath and see what more you guys have in common, what common interests you guys have. Um, and that will lead to ways in which you guys can provide value to each other, which is ultimately what true networking is about is two parties coming together, providing values, providing value to one another. Um, I think there's a misconception that networking is all about what you can get and right. what's for you. Mm. But true networking is about not only seeking value from others, but seeking to provide value to others, right? Whether it be through the knowledge that you have, the connections that you have, the encouragement that you can give them, the whatever it may be, right? That is, that is very important. So networking is operating off of seeking commonalities, bu building a conversation around those, and always seeking to provide value to who you're networking with, um, as well as being able to glean value from others. There's a quote that I love is, the more you give, the more you receive. And that's yeah. definitely, Johnny hit the nail on that quote. <laughs> that's what networking is all about. What about you, Chris? What, are, what is a good tip that you could give somebody listening? Because I know you're you're an extremely social guy. Yeah, and, and I know your initial question was uh, more geared toward people who, I guess, are a little um, more hesitant about the whole whole networking thing. And I say just be the best at what you do. Uh, yeah. And I know that's uh, probably a bold assertion, but the way I look at it, it's like if you are incredibly good at whatever you do, you kind of get that connotation of being that guy, right? Um, you know, if you're an incredible coder or incredible with graphic design, you don't necessarily need to go out and, you know, meet somebody to, I guess, network. People will think of you that you are that guy, you know, oh, I need somebody to do my healthcare marketing, you know, to me, Jason, you come to mind, you've got your own, um, you know, marketing company, marketing agency, right? So, you know, just by the nature of being good at something, you know, will in a sense be networking. Uh, I guess, yeah, networking for you in in a in a sense, yeah. So be good at what you do, and and like John said, just to echo his point, is find commonalities. You know, uh, if if you're at a work event, nobody wants to be talking about work. They want to be talking about their family, their kids. You know, what they're doing over the weekend. Um, 
So find those commonalities and, and talk about those. Talk about the things that make you comfortable. Um, so Yeah, I think I you brought up a good point. I'm sorry, just real quick, because I love that point, is um, also showing interest in others is a very important part of networking. Mm. You can't go to a networking event just seeking to talk about what you want and what's great about you and what you're doing. Like, sure, you know, find ways to throw that in within the context of the conversation, but you have to have a genuine interest in other people, right? You right. have to actually want to know what about this person is interesting and what about this person you guys have in common or what about this person um, do they do in, the, in their spare time and, you know, why they do certain things, right? You have to have that curiosity or to Kobe. Mm. Uh, you have to have that curiosity <laughs> Uh, about people for to establish you know these um, these real connections um, and to be able to to benefit from uh, networking right definitely love that you're talking about being curious um, playing your strengths that yeah I, I definitely agree with all of that I think also one I think for me especially in the, in the pharmacy world there's a lot of big head um, like leaders and so it's intimidating for a lot of people to go up and talk to them. But I think one of the biggest things that people don't realize is that they're just people. They're just normal people trying to live their everyday lives. They just so happen to hold a title and you know, uh, you just can't be afraid of something like that. And so, yeah, I, I definitely love all those tips that you guys gave. So yeah, I feel like you know we were all on the same page in the sense that Peak has played a very integral role in our success and shaping and building who we are today. Um, but Jason, I know you talked about it in the beginning of uh, you know this this podcast, but I'd love for you to just kind of rehit on what the Mastermind Group is and you know what exactly we do and you know how somebody that might be interested in uh, starting one might be able to go about doing so. Uh, you know, I think that might be very advantageous for our listeners. Yeah, so just to recap, you know, the mastermind is a collective group of people who honestly just want to better themselves by setting goals and by accountability. Um, and that's how we really grew into that mastermind mindset. Uh, it's it honestly, and, and it's not a mindset anymore, it's a lifestyle because you're living it every single day. And so someone who's interested, inspired by what we're doing, for them to go out and do something, like that, it's definitely plausible. You know, start small, then go big, right? Start on yourself and then recruit other people. Because just like you guys have mentioned, it's all about providing value to other people. And I think that's, for me, one of the biggest things is I'm worried that I'm slacking behind, that I'm not giving the values that are the quality of value that you guys would, would want. And so just like Chris says, build your strengths first. For me, it's, I'm, I'm in marketing, I'm in healthcare, that's my strength. You know, Chris is in finance, John is in, uh, in media. And so, and all our other guys, you know, tech, uh, uh, forensic science, like we're all bringing something to the table. And once you have something, when you can, once you can bring something to the table, then you can sit at the round table. And there, so, <laughs> there we go. And so, um, someone who's interested, you know, if you're a teak and you, you like the leadership academy definitely you can hit us up also i mean we're always looking for higher high aspiring people and i think that's what one of the things they can do and maybe john you can also uh put in some words on this yeah so you know to tie it into 
in the discussion of values, I think what's fundamental to personal growth, whether we realize it or not, is a commitment to certain values, right? Whether that be um, dedication, you know, whether that be accountability, whether that be um, love, you know, ourselves and others. And so I think, you know, for, for, for listeners out there, I, you know, I would encourage them to really look at, you know, the, the values that they want to embody in their life as they seek to grow and develop and be intentional about creating a group of people around them that are going to help them embody that, right? Who are going to hold them accountable to, to embody that. They're going to reaffirm them and encourage them as, as they embody that and use those values in their lives to continue to improve. Um, so that's what I would, I guess, my little point of advice I would give listeners out there about that. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, with the mastermind, we're always trying to improve ourselves. And so we're reading a lot of books. And you guys know this question was going to come from somebody who <laughs> loves reading books. What is, what would you recommend is your favorite book and why? Oof. Very good question. Um, favorite. Probably, I'm horrible at questions. I hope you have. I'd say, uh, <laughs> first one, I'd say my most gifted book is probably Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, and this guy survives the Holocaust. And real quick, in, in the book, he talks about finding purpose in life, right? So you're, this guy gets taken to a concentration camp and he talks about how surviving that that experience wouldn't have been possible had he not found purpose in life. And, you know, it's a book I always crack open whenever sometimes I feel lost in my ways or don't know what I'm, you know, doing with my life. I'll, I'll, I'll read that and try to remember, you know, find purpose, find your passion and remember that, you know, you could have everything in life taken away from you, but nobody can ever take away that you, the way that you view a situation that you're in. Um, and that's one of the big points that he hits on in his book and absolutely love it. Real short book. Highly recommend it. John, what would, what would you say is your favorite book? Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm horrible at favorite questions, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go on this concept uh, or on this theme of Teak and mention uh, a book that one of my little brothers, um, got? <laughs> one of my Teak little brothers, no, um, uh, Gave to me to read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, classic. I know that like throws a lot of people off. Um, it's, not, it's not just about getting friends because if we're in Teak, right, I'm sure we all have friends. But it's more specifically speaking to how to, um, how, how to develop leadership characteristics that uh, people can follow, right? Uh, or, or that will allow people to be more inclined to follow you. Um, so it's a great book on leadership. Um, and a lot of the tools or a lot of the, 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 the lessons in there um, center around values and also will help support people who are seeking to learn how to be better networkers. Um, there's a lot of good lessons in there for that. So it's a classic. A lot of people read it. And I would definitely encourage others to as well. For sure. So you were talking about leadership books. You know, I'm looking right now at my stack of books. <laughs> Even though I asked the question, I don't have an answer to that. Um, but I will say one of my favorite leadership books that I just recently read is Extreme Ownership by Jocko. Uh, he definitely highlights 
different types of uh, leadership style in the Navy SEAL and how it can be applicable in uh, companies all around the world. And so um, I definitely appreciate you guys giving the, your favorite books. You know, we talk about values. We talk about how Teak Values has built you as a person, how the mastermind has built you as a person. And we're all trying to strive for success. And so my final question before we close out today is, what's your definition of success? Oh, man. How are you, Chris? Uh, I'm going back. I'm thinking of uh, a little bit of Emerson. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, I believe, said it. Um, how does it go? Uh, to laugh often and much, to win the respect of the intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the beauty in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know what one life has breathed easier because you lived here, that is to have succeeded. Oh, man. That was good. I can't follow that up. That was I may have I may have butchered that, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's uh that's it. No, that's that's great. Um, I uh, I don't want to follow that up because that was just too perfect. But he definitely, yeah. I'm just gonna second that. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, uh, definition of success is just being the best version you are today. Uh, now, being, being the best version you are compared to yesterday, I think if you can take incremental steps, then that's the route of success. Um, but before we close out, where can our listeners who are listening right now can follow you and see where your journey goes on? Oh, yeah. just search, search me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Always happy to connect with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook as John Broadway, or you can also check out uh, my website, johnbroadway.me. Um, I have a newsletter. You can sign up for my newsletter there. Where I you know, send uh, bi-weekly content, articles, and videos just um, with like empowering content. So that's one of the ways people can connect with me. For sure. And then for me, uh, at the real Jason Lamb, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, and website, www.therealjasonlamb. But so, Chris and John. Call that a podcast. It's a pleasure <laughs> catching up with you guys. As always, yeah. I'm sure we can talk for hours. But I'm sure everyone listening now would stop listening after a few hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you, John and Chris, for being on Teak Nation podcast. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Thanks for having us. See you. Take it easy, all.